The Flowcast is brought to you by the San Francisco Salt Company. Uh, they can be reached at 1-800-480-4540 or at sfsalt.com. Um, they have many different varieties of salt for a lot of different things. Obviously, we care the most about their kinds of Epsom salt that they have. And they offer two types of Epsom salt. Both are USP approved. Uh, one is made overseas, so it's a little bit less expensive. Uh, not to say their products are expensive. They're actually really well-priced. And in addition to that, they have two different shipping points throughout the country. So if you're on the East Coast and you're getting it from them, you're not going to pay the shipping all the way from San Francisco to your, you know, to your place. Um, they have another place, another shipping point in North Carolina that they can ship out of. Um, so check them out at sfsalt.com or 800-480-4540. And the Floatcast is also brought to you by flotationlocations.com. And flotationlocations.com is the place to go if you need to find a float center or if you own a float center or are trying to get the word out there about your place. Um, they offer something called the float saver, which is if people find your center on flotationlocations.com and you're enrolled in float saver, uh, the client can buy their float online. They can prepay for it um, at a cheaper rate than it would be your, no- your normal rate. But that, you know, they're coming in. You know, once they see it online, bam, they're, they're going to come in. It saves them money. And it gets gets them in your center, which is exactly what you want. Um, so check it out at flotationlocations.com. If you own a center or, or t- make tanks or float rooms or whatever it is, uh, definitely get in touch with the boys if you haven't done so already. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Tom. And uh, hanging out here with Hardy and the guys from Float On. And you are checking out episode number 41 of the Floatcast. What's going on, fellas? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having us on again. Yeah, yeah got thank it. you. We got, uh, we got Graham and Ashcon here. Two of the, two of the uh, godfathers of floating, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Founding fathers all the way from the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's, uh, how's everything, guys? You guys still, uh, are you guys still cleaning up from the, from the conference? <laughs> was, yeah, uh, as far still, as, uh, you know. It's I mean, always a little bit, you know. <laughs> Our basement is just like full of boxes still, but uh, we're sorting through it bit by bit. You know, I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't head out this year, but that's one thing I actually thought about last year. And I actually think about it every year when I go to Macy's and I see all the boxes that are above like all the things that have like the fake Christmas gifts in them. And I'm like, where do they put all that stuff? Like, where does it all go? Like, I, do, you guys must have like multiple storage they, boxes. They got to have like areas a, of Portland. A conference <laughs> we did, storage. <laughs> we did have um, like about a week before the conference, we had a UPS driver uh, come into our shop and like he seemed really flabbergasted. And he walked in, he goes, I'm supposed to deliver 27 boxes here. Like, does that sound right? And someone in our shop was like, yep, this sounds right. Yep. <laughs> and the guy was just like, okay. And he went back and just like, Started dollying out boxes, but yeah, it did not seem like <laughs> you thought there was some sort of error or something. But yeah, our our entire lobby just like starts piling up more and more uh, as we get closer to the conference. One of the things I realized, which was pretty cool, is like you guys tallied up how many hours you put into that conference. I remember you guys were talking about that. How many yeah. hours was that again? Um, I think the total of everyone was, uh, in, and we're counting hours as kind of like work hours, so like eight-hour days, was um, 2.6 years, I think is what it ended up being. Wow. wow. <laughs> oh, wow. It takes a lot. Yeah, and you guys, I, I guess you really weren't kidding when you said like, you know, the end of last year, you are like, all right, the next day, you know, we're pretty much going to get started on the next yeah. one. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. yeah. This year it happened even sooner, like a few months before the conference actually happened. We had already started planning for 2016. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, 
I want to congratulate you guys on a job really well done. Um, I was very impressed. And I've been to other conferences and, you know, this is great to know that there's somebody in our industry that's just, you know, making a beautiful conference to get all, all these people that love floating together and to, you know, level up on this industry. It's a great way to put people together. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it ends up being really fun, too. Um, I pretty much view it as like a, a party with PowerPoints. And uh, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it just ends up being a huge amount of fun to plan with that perspective. Yeah, I definitely was upset that I didn't make it out this year. And just, you know, I obviously, aside from what I would have learned, um, just hanging out with everybody. You know, it's great hanging out with a group of people that have the same mindset as you and the same ideas as you and the same goals as you for the most part, you know. And uh, and then, you know, everybody cuts loose usually at night and it's always a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So, definitely uh, a good time at night. Uh, I'll definitely <laughs> partied a little harder than I usually do. You know, there was a lot of nights uh, that like were a little blurry. You know, there was, I, I remember some points where some of us were singing in karaoke. I don't know if you guys were there. <laughs> where was this? Where was karaoke? Uh, it was at a bar right next to the college. Um, I don't remember. It was a really weird name. Sloppy Turtle? Uh, yeah. Yes, it was something turtle. Cheerful. The Cheerful Tortoise. Yes, the Cheerful That's what it is. Tortoise. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. I actually had a couple of nights there myself uh, last year. <laughs> it's so convenient. It's right next door to the uh, to like the dorms are, where the dorms yeah, are, you know? It's too, too convenient, I think. <laughs> yeah. It, it was definitely cool uh, being in a college campus after so many years. Um, it was definitely a different experience. I, you know, I kind of did act like I was in college some nights, you know. I definitely went to the bar, felt like I was in college coming out of the dorm, going to conference lectures because I was at the workshop, you know, with my notebook, my backpack, walking around campus. <laughs> Brought me back to the to the good old days. <laughs> yeah, and, and going out there, you know, as you guys may or may not have heard, like, you know, Hardy totally cleaned up his act as far as like drinking and going out and partying and, and hanging out late and that kind of stuff. And then he goes out west and yeah, meeting uh, all <laughs> these came right back to you, huh? All these beautiful <laughs> souls that love floating. It just uh, you know, at the bar, it, you can't say no to a drink. Just can't <laughs> or two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight. You know, jeez, you know, uh, three a.m., four a.m. Yeah. I, I I went on onto old school Hardy Party Hardy came out. <laughs> I I definitely got some great pictures of uh, everybody too. Um, I don't know if you guys are uh, putting an album together for the conference or anything because then I'll just send you some of the pictures. I'm I got some great pictures. Yeah, please do. I'm just getting the uh, photos kind of out now. Uh, just going through them and touching them up a little bit. Uh, do you um? All right, cool. What, uh, so just email it to you because I'm pretty sure there's some other people that were at the conference. They probably had some great pictures that we should all just send you that probably help you. Yeah, definitely. Um, feel free to send an email to just conference at floathq.com or we also put out a little uh, thing on our Facebook page that asks people to send us any photos. All right, so great. you can also look there. I'll definitely do that. I got I got one of uh, uh, Glenn Perry that you guys are gonna love. <laughs> Excellent. A great picture of him. Like it, it's going down in the, the the wall of fame of pictures at your float conference. <laughs> <laughs> great. So aside from coming back, uh, you know, with a wicked hangover and a, a couple pairs of uh, colored glasses, uh, Hardy <laughs> definitely had a plethora of information that he could not wait to share with me. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> it's 
you know, he, he's he's had a lot of stuff to share, like about every aspect of it. Because not only did he go to the conference, he went to the workshop as well. Um, he went a few days before, and and then he went. Where else did you go? You went to a couple other centers as well. Well, I just went up to Seattle to see a friend, but then I was, of course, I'm going to stop by, uh, you know, the centers up there. So I went to Float Seattle, and I went to Urban Floats, but they were closed when I went there, so I didn't get a chance to go in there. But um, yeah, I went to Float Seattle, and then I was in Portland at your place. You know, um, loved your place. I also, you know, what was great is I went to that workshop, and I was, you know, I've we've opened the place for four and five months now. And it was just amazing to learn so much, you know, and that, that workshop was really helpful. I mean, if anybody's listening, like I would tell them definitely, like if they go to the flow conference next year, if you've been open for less than a year, or if you're somebody who's thinking about opening up a float center, definitely the workshop was very helpful. It was a lot of information in two days. Um, I was a little overwhelmed, <laughs> not going to lie, you know, like I was like, you know, try to keep up with notes and, and I'm glad you guys, you know, are able to send us our own little, uh, uh, video cast about about it so I could go over it I still haven't had a chance but it was just so much information that's very helpful to anybody opening up a float center or anybody who's already opened a float center yeah I mean even last year I remember that uh, I remember you guys told me that that Glenn and Lee came <laughs> and, and floated and like you know uh, or, or came and, and came to the workshop and you know they yeah, learned some stuff yeah, too totally. and they're like you know they're most they're the most experienced people out there um so even if you're just getting out or, you know, you've been open a few years and think you know everything, I'm sure that you don't. I'm sure that I don't. I'm sure I could go there and learn quite a few things. Um, I mean, yeah, even even we don't know everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like our information just gets broader every single year that we do it. Yeah, which is great because, uh, you know, you guys are kind of on, you know, the forefront as far as helping spread that information out. And, uh, you know, not that. Not saying it gives you control over it, but it allows you to kind of like you know you you know exactly what's going on in it. You know you have kind of have a hand in it, which which is great. Uh, well, it's good. There's this interesting feedback loop too. You know, like once you start giving away all the information that you have for free, uh, then people start coming back and using that information and figuring out where it works for them and where it doesn't, or they just get dramatically different quotes from a contractor in their area than we got in Portland. And suddenly, through sharing information, you get this huge influx of information coming back in as well. So just in the conversations and kind of helpful chats that we have with people, we also just get this huge inundation of cool float information coming from all over the world, you know, and if we ever publicly put something out there that's just not right or doesn't um, click with someone's own experience, then we hear about it almost immediately. So it's a really nice kind of um, group editing process on a lot of our advice too, which, uh, yeah, just I think ends up making it better for everyone too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely is better you know, I agree completely. It's better to just share, you know, put the information out there and share it. And then, you know, like you said, listen to the feedback that's coming yeah. back from, especially from different areas of the country and the world. Um, because what, what the situation is in one place it may definitely not be the situation in another one. And, and a lot of aspects. Well, how many people were at that workshop this year? I was guessing like 200. Um, there were, there's usually about, uh, I think this year we had just over a hundred people kind of attending the workshop and then there was other people there kind of running their booths and everything, which okay. probably brought the number up to like 175 or 200. All right, cool. Yeah. I, I made a, I really got to know a lot of those people going out there, you know, two days before you kind of start yeah. meeting them at the workshop and you start hanging out with them at the conference and you know, you, you make some great bonds, like, uh, made some friendships. 
which is great. Looking forward to seeing them next year. You guys already have a date for next year, which is really awesome. It's what is it? August what? 20th? Yeah, the uh, 20th and 21st is the actual conference. Um and the workshops are usually the two days beforehand and then we do a uh, a kind of certified pool and spa operator training the day afterwards. So uh, the whole thing's like a 5-day event now, which is um totally crazy and uh much bigger than we've done in the past. Guys, you're big building like your own little Woodstock, Floatstock. <laughs> yeah, Floatstock in Portland next year. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's that's a t-shirt somebody's going to have next year, Floatstock Portland. <laughs> Fantastic. So what do you guys, uh, what do you guys have coming on the horizon? Anything new? Well, actually, before I even ask that, um, we definitely have to talk about Float Helm. Um, Yes, definitely. Because you guys gave me a crack at it early on. I think I was one of the beta guys and I, I played around, around with it admittedly. Um, but I was by myself. I, I didn't really have anybody else to like, you know, really use the, the program to its full extent. Um, but now, obviously, that's not the case, and I really could probably benefit from it a lot more. Um, so please tell us a little bit about it, especially for, for float centers that are getting going. Um, you know, they might see ads for it or, you know, hear about it, but definitely school us a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll take that one up, um, at least to start NASHCON. Feel free to hop in anytime. But um, <laughs> we're actually not in the same room while we're doing this interview, which is rare for us. So we can't make that little, like, eye contact switch off speaking. Uh <laughs> Nonverbal communication we usually do. Um, so, yeah, the helm, gosh, when did we start at Ashcon? Like three and a half years ago now? Um, more than that. I mean, so it was before the first conference we did. Yeah, actually, probably probably three and a half to four years. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it started actually just not even as software to run your um, your float center, which is what it is now. You know, it does everything from scheduling and payment processing to staff management to keeping track of the levels of your tanks and the chemistry and stuff like that uh, but it actually started just as me and ashcon wanting to learn how to program because uh, it's something we've always been interested in and we found uh, a really nice and uh, amazingly talented programmer who was willing to trade programming lessons for floats and so uh, that we just decided to hop in and start doing um, this intern management program because we had a giant intern base and that's its own Funny story, if you want to know the uh, the horrible organization that we had going on the intern front before we had the helm, uh, we can go into that one too. But um, so yeah, really just started and we'd meet every week and uh, do a little bit of work on it and slowly develop this kind of intern tracking program. And during the course of it, uh, Ian, who's now um, a co-owner with us, just found out that he loved floating and we found out that we loved Ian and that he was just an amazingly <laughs> talented human being. And so uh, over time, we actually just brought him on as a full-on owner of FloatOn and uh, sprung out from that intern management program into full-on float center management. And um, yeah, probably the weirdest thing about the the helm and its development process is just that it's really largely been um, Ian working with us and on feedback from us to design the entire thing over the course of years, you know, and it's so rare that you actually get a chance to develop software like that. He just had immediate feedback from a business that was using it and from the people who were its customers. And instead of having to work with, um, I don't know, I guess middle management or with even a team of people with different desires, he kind of got to do the entire thing uh, just internally by himself, which means that it ends up being just a really um, uh, fluid, I guess, and very cohesive kind of piece of software, which is sort of neat. So that's a little, a little intro to it without going too deep into <laughs> the full pitch for it. Now, when he... When you guys brought him on uh, as one of the co-owners of, of Float On, um, was he there doing the day-to-day stuff, or was he kind of just a guy who was like kind of like in the background doing the, the uh, you know, Float Helm? 
In other words, like, was he, did he, was he dealing with clients that came in to float and so we can kind of see how things work and what he would need to add and like kind of get his own ideas. Like that oh, kind of we, we actually, we tried to force it for a while and we had this like a uh, really grand idea when we were starting up that uh, everyone who worked at float on would work at least a couple hours a week in the shop um, just so they didn't kind of lose touch with what it's like working in the shop. Right. And uh, he, Ian really did not want to do that at all. Um, he just did not. He's like, I didn't, you know, get this good at programming so that I could work a retail job. And uh, I kind of like forced him into it. I just strong earned him. And I'm like, come on, let's try it out for a month and just see what happens. And I think you'll learn a lot from working the shop. So he did. Mm. He actually went in and worked the shop for a month. And at the end of the month, he's like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> like, I did not get into this to work retail. Um, I still think he probably learned a lot and that it was a good idea. But um, no, much more. He's the, uh, yeah, the programmer uh, kind of. Right. lurking in the background doing incredibly cool things from his computer yeah i mean even when i messed around with it last year it uh you know it had a lot of you know awesome features on it i just didn't at the time i didn't really need it because i was just by myself um i actually yeah. went on uh the tour with uh frank from float tank solutions so he actually gave me the tour last friday I had so many questions so i, I think i overwhelmed him <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I think i need more than an hour <laughs> I have to feed, and I have to tell Tom about all this new information I know. Um, the, <laughs> the software, from what I could see, uh, was was really amazing, very complex, and I could see how you guys. I love the the interaction you have with anybody who has a question. It's right there. There's a tab at the bottom, so people could, um, if they want any ideas or anything that you should change, they just send it right there, like easy click, and you guys kind of look into it. And I've heard that's why a lot of changes have happened. Yeah, that's really one of the nice parts is we can, uh, um, I mean, we can change things like within 24 hours sometimes of people sending us that feedback, uh, which always feels really magical. Like someone sends in a suggestion and like the next day we're like, it's done. Here you go. We made it. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> the, the, the communication, like I, I saw that it was like, it's really helpful for like tasks, scheduling, communicating with each other, which, you know, we realize as you get busier, like our center, we're like, all right, we gotta, we gotta get better at communicating. And that was one of the things. And that... we only have two tanks, so it's not like we yeah. have like six. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was really some of the main uh, uh, feedback we were getting from our employees when we first started um, was just all about communication. You know, you realize pretty quickly that you're running this business where you may, I mean, it takes for our shop, it takes uh, something like thirteen to fifteen people or so to keep that shop running, and only two of them are ever working at the same time. <laughs> and so you really quickly end up in this kind of game of a telephone where anytime someone's talking or you need to say anything, it needs to go through all these people one by one as they. Uh, hang on a second, wait, little Sashcon. Let me pause this. Try to improve it because um, despite that, we still get the feedback that communication could be better. It's just, yeah, we always related to, you know, we're running a business formed around isolation. And it is itself, even when you're working the shop, kind of an isolated business. You're not really working with other people. There's not a dozen float centers unless you're in Vancouver who are in your area who you can call. <laughs> Hello? Hang on yeah, one second. Yeah, yeah. We got both of you guys? Yeah, I'm still here too. Uh, all right, good, good, good. Sorry, my <laughs> video cut out for a second. Yeah, uh, mine did too. Um, uh, yeah, so the, the float helm, you know, and scheduling. Like, we, we only have two other guys that work with us. And I just realized, like, your software has the scheduling, they have the tasks, and it's like we're, we're writing, uh, we had like 20 sticky noted pads. And <laughs> we've been writing <laughs> post-its are all over the desk when 
walk in and you just see all these posters. They were. I cleaned them up. They're not there anymore. Now they're in the back. <laughs> now they're in the back office. So it looks like, you know, slowly but surely we're putting up new wallpaper in the form of post-it notes. Yeah. And, and then, you know, like sometimes <laughs> I go home, I have like a post-it on me, like stuck from like the wall. You just post-its everywhere. <laughs> um, another question I had was, one of the things I talked about on the last podcast was cancellations. Um, we're dealing with a lot of cancellations. You know, we didn't want to charge a penalty fee or anything. And I was talking to Frank about that because that was one of the things, you know, I wanted to know how your software, you know, deals with that um, and how you guys dealt with it. And he told me you guys just um, real recently switched over. Your software is able to um, have – it's like you guys do a prepay for your all your floats now. And I just wanted to know how you guys came to that and how it's, how you've been, how's it been working? So um, that was something, yeah, yeah, something probably got lost in translation there. Um, cause we, uh, we don't do prepay for floats. The helm can do that. So it has an option where you can require prepayment for floats basically online, um, which we do. So we, if someone books online, then we have them actually enter in their credit card and everything like that. But if they call the shop to book or if they come into the shop in person, we actually still don't um, don't collect prepayment from them until they come in. Okay. So it's just booking online, and how, how's that been working? It's, you know, it kind of uh, – we, we deal with, like, cancellations in two ways. One is kind of communicating a bunch with people, um, and the other is just lying to them. So uh, we tell everyone <laughs> – we tell everyone we have a 24-hour cancellation policy. Um, and then we just don't enforce it, and that seems to uh, that seems to kind of do a, a good amount in in keeping people off from uh, from just canceling on us. And um, we also just send a lot of reminders. You know, we we will call everyone, or uh, the helm can automatically text them. Is what we do for some people too, uh, forty eight hours before their floats, and let them know to um, just remind them. You know, what time their thing is, how many tanks they have booked, and that ends up being really useful. Like it is very. Uh, it's not uncommon for us to call someone two days beforehand and have them be like, oh, I've been meaning to call and cancel this thing. Um, and you're just, you're huh. kind of like shaking the tree a little early, you know? Um, those are people who would probably call an hour before their appointment or might not call at all that you're managing to catch two days beforehand, which is plenty of time to kind of book that spot in again. Um, so that helps a lot. It also helps deal with any uh, scheduling mishaps. So like if someone thinks they have you know, three tanks booked, but they only have two. You get to figure that out two days beforehand on the phone rather than when three people are standing in front of you and you only have two <laughs> tanks available. Um, so that's been really uh, useful for us. And then we also send like a 24-hour reminder email and um, yeah, just kind of like sending a lot of information towards people to let them know about their appointment really helps catch people early if they were thinking about canceling. And then lying to them is a big part of it. And then uh, just, uh, you know, being okay with it, I think, is the other part. Like, we probably still have maybe one appointment a day that, uh, on average, where someone just doesn't show up. Um, and, you know, at this point, I kind of just view it as the cost of doing business. Like, we could probably get that down further, but we'd have to be, like, a much more hard-nosed company and really start charging people and uh, really start kind of punishing everyone for for just those few people who abuse the system. And, uh, and I think it is, you know, you just got to figure out where exactly you want to draw the line and what you're okay with. Um, and once you do just try to remember to not like take it personally and let it upset you every time. Yeah. yeah we took a lot of lessons from, um, uh, the 37 signals guys who are some of my business heroes, but, um, 
one of the things they said in one of their blog posts is just like you don't want to squeeze the last few drops out of your fruit like or out of your lemon you know those are the bitterest drops hmm. so really trying to get down to 100 percent, everyone is showing up yeah the amount that you just have to be a very um much more regimented and yeah kind of hardcore business is just way beyond what what we want to do and uh, yeah, the other thing I was going to say is we really took a lot away from dentist appointments and dentist reminders for how we stop cancellations. You know, um, it used to be that we'd get maybe three or four um, or like maybe somewhere between two and four people a day not showing up for their appointments, which was just really way too high. And yeah, the more we kind of followed dentist, uh, dentist office practices and just called people beforehand, texted them beforehand, emailed them beforehand really reminded them that this is coming up uh, that just almost immediately dropped away without requiring prepayment, which is yeah, much more in line with how we like to run business. Yeah. I'm a, Hardy and I have discussed the, the idea of doing maybe a prepayment thing, you know, requiring people to pay, uh, pay online, online yeah. beforehand. And I, you know, I, not that Hardy was definitely for it, but I, I never was for it. I, I know, just, you know, I'm a, if they want to great, but I don't want to require anybody to pay. Um, but at, I'm, I'm, what I find is that if somebody calls, today's Monday, if somebody calls today and books an appointment for tomorrow at 2, they're going to show. I'm not worried about that guy. But I'm worried about the person who booked the appointment for tomorrow three weeks ago because now he's going to be you know in town this week and he completely forgot about it. <laughs> like that's What I'm finding is you know obviously the longer route that they book is is the higher likelihood that they, that they don't show up. But you know, I'm finding that most people that, that don't show, if I call them, you know, we usually give it 10 or 15 minutes after their appointment and then, and then give them a shout. Um, most of them answer and are like, Oh, I'm sorry. I completely forgot. Let me rebook it for tomorrow or whenever. And then they will show up for that second one. Um, so I like the idea of, of not penalizing them because more than likely they are still going to come and they're still going to enjoy their float. And then, you know, rather than having a bitter person, like you said, they you have somebody who came in and loved their float after all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, uh, what other question did I have to ask about? Uh, you know what? I, what I wanted to know is uh, you guys have a lot of partners. I'm still trying to figure. out You guys have four partners, five or six? Um, so it depends on how you um kind of break it down. Actually, so at the mm-hmm. kind of um uh highest float on level yeah like the uh kind of parent uh company overseeing all of our operations um yeah there's sort of five um five main owners of that and that's the original right like um so we've pulled we've pulled on people from there um so really the entire thing started with uh me and uh quinn zapeta who's another one of the the owners and we'd been friends since high school so it started with the two of us and from there we brought on christopher um and then from there ashcon and uh I think that Jake came on next, and then Ian uh-huh. was Sounds the progression. Great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. And so when you guys started, like, that's a lot of partners to start with. I mean, when you guys started in the beginning, like, what, what you know, like me and Tom <laughs> have a partnership with just us two, and I'm just like trying to think, like, four or five people in, in the beginning, of the organization, like, oh my the, god, those group texts must have been a nightmare. Phone <laughs> <laughs> constantly go, waking up to 26 new text messages, like, oh no, what's going on? But it's all one conversation. Oh man, yeah. How did you guys deal uh, with that? Yeah, and we didn't have the helm back then either. Yeah, no. Um, you know, we um we also were kind of crazy in that we lived together. Um, so me and Ashcon and Quinn um all shared uh, a house that we were living at. So we not only just worked together all the time, we lived in the same residence, which um, I think actually stopped a lot of the group text messages. It was much more like... <laughs> Knocks on the door. 
Hey, sorry about that, guys. We, uh, my fault had a little bit of a faulty internet connection, but it should be good now. Uh, in the interim, uh, Graham had to take off. Um, but he was just telling us about how he lived with Ashcon and Quinn and how there wasn't really as, as many group text messages as her, you know, <laughs> as, as I led on to and that it was much more, uh, I guess of a face to face and knock on the door type of thing. Yeah. You know, it pretty much like flies in the face of all business advice that anyone gives you. Um, like they tell you not to be partners with your friends and they tell you not to have too many partners and they tell you to, you know, separate your work life and your personal life. Oh, and, Jesus. Um, we just didn't, we didn't do any of that, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I think it's more of a testament to just how important it is to find the right people. You know, like you could do all, you could follow all that advice and find the wrong people to partner with and none of, you know, you'd still have a terrible time and it wouldn't work out and you'd argue. And uh, you can find the right people, and then like none of that stuff really matters. You know, you just kind of figure out your own groove. And and for us, it was just that. Like we'd uh, it just worked with all of us, and we were all on the same page. You know, it didn't take a lot of conversation for us to get to a place where we all agreed, which meant that when problems came up, we could all kind of start at a place of agreeing, and then problem solve from there. Um, and and it's been really nice. Like we've never we've never actually had to like you know, vote with our ownership and like, you know, figure yeah. out who, what percentage is going to swing this or that or anything like that. It's just uh, when things come up, someone just seems to be more passionate than everyone else about what to do. And everyone's like, all right, man, fine, we'll do that. It sounds great. <laughs> you, got that, you got that look in your eye. All right, we'll, we'll just go with it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Like Graham's sounding crazy about this. Like, I think we should just listen to him. Uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's just, you, and you can feel it when it feels right. Like it was never really a question for us. Um, we didn't have to sit down and say like, hey, is this too many people? Or, hey, should we really be living together? Like it all just felt right in the moment. And, and it really has been fine the entire time. Ah, that's wow. Fantastic. So that's great. Uh, you know, so Tom, um, I think it's time for me to move in together. You think your wife will mind? <laughs> yeah, no problem. You, you, you know what? It's a good thing we get the float tank out of here because you probably just want to sleep in there every night. Yeah, that, well... <laughs> We could just leave it here. You know. <laughs> I could be your roommate. It's like that movie. What is it? Uh, uh, me, you, and... Uh... Oh, me, you, Dupree? Yeah, I'll be Dupree. <laughs> me, you, and Hardy. <laughs> yeah, I guess none of us had any families either. That made things uh, a little bit easier. There's no competition for anybody's attention. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, not having... Uh... Yeah, you know, competition for attention and just, you know, just people wanting to, you know, stay home <laughs> or not, you know, not, not be at work because they kind of just want to, like, stay home. Right. Uh, it's, it's definitely a tougher balance when you have like a family involved. Yeah. Um, but I think that's with any business, you know, obviously when, one, of, one of the harder aspects of it. When you guys, uh, like started opening, like, and you opened up float on and you were in business for a little while, like, when did you guys, like, what were you doing before that? And how did you transition into going? When did you guys realize like, yeah, I'm going to do this all day, every day, every minute's going to be about floating. <laughs> um, I mean, it was always our goal and we had to, it took a little bit of time for people to get off their day jobs. Um, so when we first started, it was, yeah, Quinn and Christopher and Graham and myself was like the, when we kind of opened up and all four of us had day jobs and, uh, we kind of just slowly started getting people off of them based off of like whose job was the most miserable, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think right away we managed to get, um, Christopher off who was working as a like mid a night shift security guard and then uh <laughs> all right then, you're first come on in <laughs> yeah he's first um we actually he came on like right when we opened so that was nice 
um, or, or quit his other job right when we opened. And then Graham and I were both tutoring, actually, was what we were doing. Um, Graham had started a little tutoring company with his mom a few years before all this happened. And uh, when I came up, I just started taking on some of their students, too. Um, which was oh, really okay. fun. We would actually tutor just anybody in anything was kind of the uh, <laughs> the premise of the tutoring company. Um, <laughs> so like I had a college student at some point, and it was like every three months she would be taking different classes and I just had to learn completely different things. I was like, okay, learning about like color theory this like month. And then like wow. I just took a web design class and I was like, okay, I got to learn how to do HTML and CSS and like just constantly staying, you know, a few pages ahead of someone in their textbook. Um, <laughs> no, no, let's stay on this chapter. Don't read ahead. <laughs> um, it was fun. It was really exhilarating. Uh, it definitely keeps you on your toes. But uh, yeah, so we were both doing that for, I think it didn't take very, it was definitely within the year that we managed to switch fully on to Float On. And I think Quinn was the last one who uh, was working for um, Verizon like uh and doing i can't even remember some sort of like something was some phone something or another um and definitely had like the best paying job of any of us and the most motivation to keep it for a little bit longer mm -hmm. um but yeah i think it was just past a year or even just under a year i can't quite remember now that he switched on and then all of us had become fully just supported by by float on i guarantee that i walk into the float place next week and there's a date circled Somewhere <laughs> hanging. That's like roughly about a year from the time that we took over. Hardy's gonna be like, "That's our date, bro. There it is." Um, I was thinking before the end of the year, actually. <laughs> All, right. All right, that'd be just fine. Yeah, I, like I think a Christmas present to each other. Uh, that'd be fantastic. I, I wouldn't mind that at all. No more making sandwiches ever. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely a joy to just hang out with people as they get done floating, and uh, you know, just kind of sit there and rap with them. But Ashcon? Shit. All right, we're back. The uh we lost Ashcon as well. The guys from Float On are dropping like flies as far as our internet connection is concerned. I'm pretty sure it's on my end. I'm not hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure it's on my end, which I'm I apologize for. Um Actually no, I'm not gonna apologize for it because I don't think it's my fault. I think it's Optimum's fault. I, so I blame... Uh, yeah, our cable provider stinks here in Long Island, and I do apologize for that also. Yeah, and not only is it does it stink, um, you really don't have it, any other choice. If you live in certain areas, like we live in uh, the town of Brookhaven, you don't have a choice. You pretty much have to get cable vision, optimum, which is what we have, um, and it's pretty inconsistent. Um, all the, the equipment they give you is not very quality, high-quality equipment, um, and it drops out all the time. And other options like Verizon... Fios or something like that aren't available here. Oh, wait. We got Ashcon going back here. Let's see what we got. Hey, Ashcon. Hey, there hey, we go. We got you back. Sorry about that, fella. Yep. All right. We're, uh, we're back here with Ashcon here. Um, I don't remember exactly where we were, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking about coming on, uh, quitting our day jobs, I think yes. is what we were talking about. Yes. I think Hardy, the main reason Hardy wants to know is because, like I said, he just wants to know when he can stop, you know, no, just walk away from that life that he had previously and kind of just focus on floating because uh -huh. <laughs> hanging out and talking with clients is awesome. It really is one of the best parts of of owning a float center is just talking with people after their float and, you know, getting feedback from them if, if they want to offer it. Um, but it's just, it's such an amazing thing. Yeah, definitely. And it's very unique. You know, you don't get to work in a lot of uh, businesses where, 
you know, no one, no one buys a jacket and comes out and says like, I just started seeing crazy colors as soon as I put this jacket on. And like, now I feel at peace with all my decisions. It's like a really uh, kind of rare experience to, to have someone come out of a float tank and, and kind of thank you for that experience. Yeah. And you probably don't get very many hugs either. Like, man, that, thanks yeah. for this coat. Come, come here, bring it, bring it in, bring it in. Let me, <laughs> let me give you a hug. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one thing that Hardy and I have noticed, um, is that people have such a, I mean, everyone's different, obviously, but there's such like a wide, wide range of reactions from people that come out. Like some people come out and it's like they, they won't stop talking about their float where there are some people that come out and just want to sit there and read. And some people just want to sit there and stare as they sit and drink their tea, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. but it is pretty amazing that the difference in, in some people and, it is also so, like a learning curve of like how to gauge, like to talk to some of the people because some of the people you want to talk to them, but you don't really want to talk to them too much, but you, but you don't want to not talk to them. It's like right. kind of trying to find that happy medium is definitely something that's a little bit, uh, you know, there's a learning curve to it for sure. Yeah. You know, we actually have uh, in our lobby, we have it set up so that there's, we have one couch that's like really far away. It's the opposite side of the lobby area from our our kind of main desks. And um, it sits in like a little nook. It's all by itself. And then we have some other couches that are just right next to our kind of main desks where our our employees stand. And uh, there's kind of a nice thing that happens where people who really don't want to talk very much will tend to go sit in that nook in the far corner. And people who want to tell you all about it will tend to come just sit right next to the desk. Um, And it just kind of helps you gauge who's who. So, like, I'll use that a lot as an indication myself because it is hard to tell otherwise. And, you know, I might go to someone who sat really far away and just kind of lightly ask, you know, if everything was okay. And then the person sitting next to the desk I might have a much more in-depth conversation with. And it just helps you have a little uh, kind of litmus test as to what someone might want. That's been really helpful for us. Yeah, it's kind of like us, you know, that definitely would help you figure out a lot. Like, all right, obviously they're over here. Uh, How was your float? Good? Okay, I'll see you. Like, just yeah, yeah. Enjoy, your, <laughs> enjoy yourself, you know, which is totally... You know, I try and explain that to people before they hop in. Like when you get done, if you want to hang out, have a cup of tea, read a book, draw a picture, or if you want to get your keys and take off, like whatever you want to do is fine. Like whatever uh-huh. it is. Yeah, there's some people who want to just run out there and write a book. You know, they they went in for so many different reasons. Like, oh, I'm going to go out, I'm going to go home, draw a picture. You know, work. Yeah, on it's a plan. hard not to be uh, discouraged when someone just bolts right out the door. Um, I definitely remember the first few times when someone come out their float, they just like beeline and leave immediately. And I was like, uh-oh, was that okay? Like, did they have a bad experience? And then they'd be in like again the next week and float and they'd beeline out the door again and then become like buy a membership and just always go. I'm like, all right, that's just what they want to do. Uh, like, that, that's, I, that's, I don't know anything about this person, but okay. I know their name. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's happened. Uh, that's happened quite a bit. And I was, I was just like that. I was like, oh my God, this person just didn't have a great flow and I'm going to sit there and worry about it. Couldn't get no sleep the night before. And then I come back from the conference. One of the guys calls me, I seen him and he's like, Oh, by the way, I've already floated two times. It's awesome. You're right. Like I quit drinking. I did this. And I'm like, wow, amazing. You know, like <laughs> I would never have guessed. I thought he just left. Uh huh. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I kind of, I, I, it doesn't really bother me too much. I never really did. As long as they come out and they have a, a good aura about them, a good, you know, good positive energy when they come out and they got like a smile on their face. So I'm like, all right, this guy's, you know, maybe he just figured something out and he has to go deal with it right now, you know? 
<laughs> I think actually that happened to you, Hardy, one time. I think you came, I think you came out and you figured out something with your chick, and you're like, you know, what? I, I got to go right now. I got to, I got to get out of here. And uh, so yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think most of the time when I came out, I think you just kind of pushed me out that time. And you use that as an excuse because I would sit there and talk to Tom for two, three hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He'd be falling asleep on his couch, you know, when he was, he had the, the float tank in his house and he had the center at his house. And I would just sit there and talk for three and a half hours. I probably did that to you a couple of times, Ascon, at the conference. I probably sat there and you're probably like, I don't know what you're talking about, but hey, all right, I'll take the drink. <laughs> yeah, I was there till three in the morning at the cheerful tortoise. I, I remember. Oh, there you go. I don't really remember. So my apologies. <laughs> The cheerful tortoise. Oh, they got me. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's, you know, like I said, when people come out, everybody wants something else, um, or not something else, but, you know, everybody is kind of their own person. Um, and some of the artwork that some of these people have done, and a lot of them are like, yeah, I don't even draw. Like, I'm not even an artist. And they get done with this picture, and I'm like, wow, look at that. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. It's way better than I could ever do. Yeah. Yeah, that that was really amazing. Some of those pictures. Oh yeah, come up with. Yeah, and they all, you know, and they were all float inspired, which I'm guess I'm guessing is absolutely what inspired you guys to release your float book, which Hardy came back with and is is beautiful. Yeah, we actually had that idea before we even opened, um, and it was just we really wanted to find a way to keep our tanks full, and so we just started coming up with kind of, you know, creative ways to to give out floats to people, and that was one of the ones we came up with. But uh, it was really fun. You know, we had a little book out uh, on our coffee table in our lobby with crayons next to it um, and that people would kind of, you know, do drawings with and everything. And you can look in there and you can see these like early versions of the artwork that people ended up giving us. These kind of they would like literally come out of their float and do this rough sketch with crayons. And then like a month later, they'd hand us this like nicely painted piece that had the exact same like composition and everything. Um, <laughs> and that beautiful. was really fun to see. Wow, that's really beautiful. Yeah. And you guys, once in a while, you would have like an art show, right? Like you kind of like would show, like exhibit everything and show. Yeah, you know, we do that every, uh, every month. We have a rotating artist in our, in our lobby. Um, so we basically, we give someone a float a week leading up to their, their month of doing art with us, uh, of putting their art up. And then, um, we don't really take any commission other than just like credit card fees and stuff if they sell something off our walls. But instead, we ask them the month before to just create a piece. During their during their weekly floating that we get to keep, um, so it ends up being really great. Like every month, we have a new uh, whole set of artwork in our lobby, so we have this kind of like mini art gallery that's happening, and then we also get just like a brand new piece of float artwork every month, wow. um, which is <laughs> which is sounds really great. And then our office ends up just being full of artwork. I was like gonna I'm say just there right now, I'm literally like surrounded by canvases of, <laughs> of all this unique float artwork, which is really cool. And like, it's, it's really fun, but uh, I'm currently like drowning in the amount of artwork that we have. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad to hear we're not the only ones that are running out of room. It sounds like you guys have a lot more stuff than we <laughs> oh, do, but oh, you know, yeah. we're running out of room that, also. We got a tour oh. of their place when we were there and that they definitely are using their space very wisely. <laughs> yeah, maximizing it. I went into your back office at some point and I was like, whoa, all right. Oh, yeah. Which <laughs> is yeah, so much crazy. stuff. And we have, yeah, a few different like storage things and it's amazing how much stuff you need to to run a business that sells nothing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you guys, uh, I was talking to one of your employees and uh, I, they were telling me about like your towels. Like you guys got those cubbies, but you guys, like you, you have a company that cleans your towels for you guys, right? Uh-huh. Now, how does that work? Because 
we we usually uh, drop ours off at the cleaners, and I think at the in the future we're probably going to have a washer and dryer. Yeah. And so you they charge per towel, or are they just like you drop a load off, or they pick it up. Um, they pick it up and and drop off new ones. So they'll come grab all our our dirty laundry and get new uh give us new ones when they come. Um, and it's you know it's definitely way more expensive than than uh doing it in house. Okay. Um, I think I actually like calculated it out, and because uh, we're we're kind of working on trying to be able to get it to the point where we can do it in house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a lot of a lot of laundry, but uh, I think we're I think I calculated something around like fourteen thousand dollars worth of savings if we couldn't manage to switch to to in house laundry. Wow! <laughs> but um, over over a year, but uh, the yeah, you know, it's actually it was actually really hard to even find a company that could drop off towels for us the in the frequency that we needed them. Because they're used to either doing like a coffee shop that might need, you know, some rags and stuff once a week and maybe some floor mats um, or like a bigger thing like a hotel, which needs just like huge deliveries every day. Um, And for us, uh, we couldn't uh, we don't have that much storage. You know, if they were to drop off a week's worth of towels for us, it would be like half of our lobby would just be a giant mountain of towels. (laughs) And so um, I sat a chair, sir. Yeah, we had to. Um, we get to call around to a bunch of companies to find one that could even drop off, do three deliveries a week, which is like, I guess, not normal, at least here in Portland. Uh, it was really tough. And even the place we found wouldn't do it until we talked them into it. We convinced them to do like a custom, like, you know, third, like drop off for us. Uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it's really, uh, it's surprisingly difficult to, <laughs> to find a service that will do that. Um, but yeah, they charge you per towel and, and they do robes too, per robe, at least ours does. And, uh, you know, they have other various service fees and charges and things like that. But but the primary kind of thing is the uh, per towel charge. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, another aspect of putting a washer and dryer in is definitely dealing with the sound issue of uh, yeah. not only of the actual machine running itself, but that, that, that damn buzzer at the end letting you know that it's done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like um, there's a lot of aspects of it that it's not just as simple as like, oh, yeah, we'll just put in a washer and dryer. It's like, ah, it's not. You can, but you can only do the washing, you know, the laundry in the middle of the night. But not even for you guys, because you're open twenty four hours a day. So, yeah, and we'd need to be doing like you know six loads a day or something. So it makes it uh even hard to keep at that time. So for us, it was yeah, the noise is actually the main thing that's stopping us right now. We built like a big soundproof box around kind of a little test washer and dryer we have now, mm-hmm. and uh, that seems to be like not quite enough. So we need to get some little pads to put under it, and it's a uh, it's definitely a little project. But it's also because we don't have a lot of room. Like our washer and dryer, the furthest place we could get it was two feet away from the wall of a float tank room. Huh. So, you know, if, if we had a bigger space and we had, you know, a whole another little closet area that was uh, at more than two feet away, then I don't think it'd really be as big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it was in the back, you know, there was, you know, a good amount of distance between them, then uh, it might right. be all right. All right. Anything else you want to add here, Hardy? No, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, you feel you good? I'm great. All right. <laughs> Ashcott, any questions for us? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, how are how are things going? You guys opened four or five months ago. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. We moved. Uh, we we bought an existing center uh, in the middle of April, and uh, kind of I I started having all my clients go over there rather than come here at the house. Um, yeah, and it's been working out well. It's got two custom float rooms that the previous owner built um and we kind of went in there and, and changed some things around kind of made it our own a little bit and uh 
you know, still working on it, kind of work, you know, figuring stuff out. Um, yeah, here's here's a question for you, because, you know, I think this this route of having a tank in your house to, to kind of start things up and get some experience under your belt mm-hmm. is something that I see more people doing. And I think it's a good idea, too. It definitely teaches you a lot before you invest in a space. For sure. But um, how, did you, uh, how did you know it was the right time to make the switch? Um, it, well, one, one thing that was a big effect was that my son, who's now like 30 pounds, was running around like a maniac. Um, and you know, as much as I could try and keep him quiet and like, Hey, Scooby-Doo is on. Like, I don't want to, I I don't want to have him not be able to run around and be a kid in the house, you know? So that, that kind of, for me was something that was bothering me for a while. And I know that kind of bothered my wife as well. Um, so for me, that, that kind of was part of it, but, um, obviously that's not going to be the case for everybody. For me, it kind of just hit the point of, I, I, the people that came here, um, definitely saw the legitimacy in in the industry and in you know in, in general but a lot of people were deterred by it because it was in a home and they were like oh well that that that's a fad it's just in some guy's house it's not even a storefront um and once i had enough people just telling me like no just do it just make the move you know it's, it's the right thing this needs to be out there people need to see this people need to drive by it um once i kept hearing that enough times and i felt i had enough of a steady clientele built up you know i had once i had a steady you know 30 to 40 floats per month i was like you know what i even if nobody else new comes in uh i think we'll still be able to pay our bills here um Uh and once i hit that point and i kept hearing all those people say it to me i just kind of said all right it's time and then of course it took like another eight or ten months after that because everything just took so long to go through with the sale right Um, but you know, I, once I kind of hit the point where I, I felt like it it wouldn't be a burden on me, quote unquote burden, uh, like financially, then I, I kind of was ready. Um, because having it here at the house, you know, I'm gonna pay my mortgage either way. If nobody comes in and floats, or if 50 people do, I'm still gonna pay my mortgage. You know, hopefully anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it, you know, that's kind of you know, once I hit that point, that's when I felt I was ready. Yeah, great. Excellent. Yeah, but it's a really dramatically different though. Um, obviously, it was before uh, people would book their appointments online like they do now. Um, and it would say like, you know, John Smith is coming to float tomorrow at 2 o'clock. And it's like, all right, it's 2 o'clock and I'm going to open my door to my house. And there's a stranger on the other side that's going to come inside and go in my basement and shower and get naked, and, you know, hop in his tank. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it definitely took a little bit of getting used to. Um but once I got used to it, it didn't, you know, didn't really bother me too much. But it's obviously way different now, because, uh, you know, just because it's a storefront they're pulling up to and they're and they're walking in and, you know, a lot less security concerns as far as my my personal house goes. Right. It's it's really strange how like a lot of people are deterred from coming to a house and they're more comfortable in a storefront, right? But then when you really think about it, it's like you you know where you live, you know, everybody like, <laughs> it's like you're going in somebody's house. Like why, what's so scary about that? If you really think about it, but a lot of people are very deterred from coming from in, into a home and uh-huh. they'd rather go to a storefront. You know, it's, it's just really strange how people think. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> it's uh no, I, I, I get it though. I get what you're saying. Like that argument is like, look, you know where I live. Like, come on. Um, but the other end of it is like, well, I'm in this guy's house. Like who knows? But I always, like I said, when people walked in, um, especially the first time I would always preface like, Oh, don't worry. You're not going to, you know, 
you're not going to see my dog, you know, or you're not going to meet my kid or anything like that. Um, to try to show like, hey, I'm a normal guy. I'm just a normal dude who has this float tank in his basement and you want to come try it. Um, and I think that definitely helped to put some people at ease. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it, uh, you know, obviously I don't regret doing it. And anybody listening who's kind of on the fence, um, if you can do it, do it. If you can swing it, if you can make it happen, do it because it's, it's incredible. Um, and at the very least, you're going to get your own float tank. So, you know, that, it's a that, win-win. Yeah, it's a win-win. Um, definitely make the move. Go for it. Yeah. All right, Ashcon. Cool. Thanks a lot for joining us. I appreciate it. Yeah, nice. absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, no sweat. Sorry about my uh, my internet connection cutting in and out. Graham, wherever you are, thanks a lot for joining us as well. Sorry we lost you. Uh, definitely going to reconnect with you guys soon. Um, you have anything... Any uh, news or anything like that you guys want to let out? Any, any books or anything like that you guys are releasing or you guys are working on? Because you guys are always working on something. I know there's something, there's a pot somewhere with something cooking in it. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, Center of the Cyclone is what we're working on editing right now. Um, so similar to where we release programming and metaprogramming. Um, so we're just going through that process right now of kind of getting that book all, all ready for its release. Um, so that'll be fun. That's uh um, it's actually, uh, John Lee went to rewrite programming and metaprogramming after he, uh, saw how popular it had become because he never really intended it to be a published book. And, uh, he ended up editing it so severely that it turned into center of the cyclone. <laughs> he just like, his edits were so different than the original book. He just made a new book and he called it center of the cyclone. <laughs> wow. So really? it'll be a nice little fun thing to, to put out after programming and metaprogramming. Wow. That's pretty wild. So it's... <laughs> Wow, so he pretty much turned into a completely different piece from what he started with. All right, with little Sashcon again. But that's all right, because we're about done here. Uh, thanks again for the boys who joining us. Hardy. Thank you to all our listeners, uh, and thank you to Float On for what they keep doing. <laughs> all right, everybody. Stay salty. Check you out later. Bye. <laughs>